This morning's scripture reading is taken from Genesis chapter 41, starting at verse 41. Joseph in charge of Egypt. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command, and men shouted before him, Make way! Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift a hand or foot in all of Egypt. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name Zaphnath, Paneah, and gave him Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, to be his wife. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and travelled throughout Egypt. During the seven years of abundance, the land produced plentifully. Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. In each city, he put the food grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain, like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. Before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph by Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim and said, It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. The seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had said. There was famine in all the other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt there was food. When all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph and do what he tells you. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all the countries came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph, because the famine was severe in all the world. Good, thank you, Jane, very much indeed. So those of you who receive our weekly information sheet will be well aware that uh, in the later part of the service this morning, we have a very special opportunity of hearing from our mission worker, Grace. And uh, for that reason, obviously, we're moving a little bit quicker than usual through some of the earlier elements of the service. And for security reasons, that uh, later section will not be recorded on the live stream. So I'm going to speak briefly as we continue our series in the life of Joseph. And uh, 
you remember last week was Remembrance Sunday, so we had a little bit of break, but two weeks ago, we thought of Joseph during his years in prison, the dreams of the cupbearer and the baker, and then the two years after that, the dreams of Pharaoh, and Joseph's appointment to a key position in Egypt. Joseph maintained his faith and trust in God throughout those dark and difficult years, and it was Becky who two weeks ago helped us to understand how we can sustain faith in dark times. But this morning we come to think a little bit more about how to handle influence and success. And we come to Joseph at the age of 30. Remember that he was 17 when he was sold by his brothers to the Midianites? We often think in our way of life of the 20s as some of the most forward-looking years of life. But for Joseph, they were some of the hardest years. It was only in his 30s that the jigsaw of life began to piece together. And he could begin to see something of those dreams as a teenager coming to fulfillment. In between, the incredibly difficult years of his 20s were crucial to the development of his character. He could have so easily become a different person after his childhood experiences, but he remained true to God. He remained faithful in how he lived, and he was ready for the next step. Talk about contrasts. From the day he was thrown into the pit by his brothers, possibly to die, now to the day when he was pointed ruler over the whole land of Egypt, wearing robes of fine linen, riding in a chariot, storing up huge quantities of grain in every city. In seven years of abundance, there were huge crops and the quantity of grain was beyond measuring, like the sand on the sea. An incredible contrast for Joseph, from being close to death as a result of the jealousy and anger of his brothers, to being in a position of unrivaled authority and power. And alongside this, he was given a beautiful wife, the daughter of Potiphera, a marriage which undoubtedly added to his influence and respect in the land. So how does Joseph cope with all of this? It's perhaps this little bit of the story that we don't think about very much. And what about us today? How do we recognize the influence that we have on other people or respond to those elements that might be perceived as success in our world today? We often preach about God's love and grace in times of failure, but less often about God's qualities or about the qualities and expectations that God would have upon us in times when things might be going well. There is no doubt that Joseph was a successful person in his working life. He applied skill and care to what he did. He was recognized for his achievements. He'd been given a position of authority. He worked out a 14-year strategy as to how to deal with that situation, and he worked hard to deliver on what had to be done. We have to look a little bit deeper to find some clues about the attitude that he held during that time. And these are very, very important for the whole of life today. And so in our reading in Genesis 41 and verse 38, Pharaoh described Joseph as one in whom is the Spirit of God. The greatest hallmark of Joseph's life was that he displayed the Spirit of God. And then later on in our reading, 
in verses 51 and 52, the names of his children. Isn't it interesting? He was married to an Egyptian, but he ensured that his two sons had Hebrew names. And indeed, names of great significance. Manasseh sounds like and may be derived from the Hebrew to forget. And he said that he gave his eldest son that name because God has made me forget all my trouble and my father's household. And then Ephraim. I really have no idea how you pronounce any of these names, by the way. But this sounds like Hebrew for twice fruitful. And Joseph said he used this name because he said, God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. And so from the words that Pharaoh spoke about Joseph at the beginning of our reading, and from those two names that he gave his children, we can see very important principles for our lives if we're to honor God in good times as well as in hard times. And here they are. First is that God is central in everything. It may seem very common sense, but actually this is profound, that God is central in everything. God was dealing with Joseph's past, and God was guiding Joseph's present time. In it all, God was central. His hallmark was the Holy Spirit of God. The names he chose for his children put the focus away from himself and entirely to God. This is so much easier to say than to do. God has called you by name. He knows you by name. He will never forget your name. The sad reality is that we've all done things that are wrong. We've gone our own way. And then we need to reach out in faith to Jesus Christ to bring us that forgiveness and new life. What then? You're called a child of God? How deep does that go? Do you really see God at the center of everything that you say and do in good times and in hard times? Keeping God central in everything. In science, of course, the Copernican Revolution is named after Nicolaus Copernicus. The name given to that paradigm shift from thinking that the whole universe revolved around the earth to recognizing that the universe revolved around the sun that was the true center of the solar system. And if that Copernican revolution brought a paradigm shift in how the world is perceived, then a spiritual revolution brings a paradigm shift as to how we think about life and about your life and about my life. That it's not out down to us in the end. That God is the center of everything. He's at the center of all life. And my particular life needs to revolve around him. We say it often, don't we? But I don't think we've really let it get right to the heart. Time and time again, we just try and revolve life around us. And don't let it revolve around God. Joseph sustained that remarkable God-centeredness throughout his life. God is central in everything. Then also from Joseph we find that there is no resentment, but only release. He named his first child 
Manasseh, because God has made me forget all my trouble in my father's household. Joseph could have easily clung on to the resentment for what had happened to him in the past. The favoritism from his father, the jealousy from his brothers, his own immaturity in what he said at that time. But God had released him from all of that. I don't think there's any better illustration than the Pilgrim's Progress, isn't it? And many of you will remember the story of how Christian struggled with a huge burden on his back for a long time until he finally reached that place of deliverance and was released from the burdens of the past. We carry a lot of baggage. And some of that is preventing you and preventing me from living our life to the full today. And Joseph wasn't going to let the baggage of the past hold him back so that he wouldn't be able to do what God is planning for him. He was released from that. And therefore, carrying no resentment, he was able to step out and respond to the great challenges and opportunities that the new chapter of life opened to him. Now, of course, there will be things from earlier years that you and I will never forget, and rightly so. And I'm sure that never, Joseph never forgot the pain of his earlier years. But he didn't hold on to any resentment. He was released to be God's person in the present time. I recall that uh, hymn that we sometimes sing, Lord, for the years your love has kept and guided. Past put behind us. For the future take us, Lord of our lives. To live for Christ alone. That's Joseph. Passed behind. Taking life in the future. No resentment, only release. But also, as things began to go well, we find with Joseph that there is no pride. Only trust. He named his second child Ephraim because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. God has made me fruitful. Not I've turned out to be a brilliant uh, leader in the land of Egypt. But God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. God brought that blessing and responsibility to Joseph. Not to anyone else. He brought it to him. And with that, Joseph carried no pride whatsoever. Just trust. And there will be times when God will bring blessing into your life. It may not look the same. There may be no fine garments, no gold chains, no chariots. But in other ways, a deep sense that God has brought you to where you are today for a purpose. And whatever stage of life you might be at, there is new days opening up, new opportunities opening up, new chapters, new seasons. And places for pain indeed, but also places for blessing. Times of challenge, but times also of great joy and blessing. But no place for pride. At least no place for the pride that puts the spotlight on you or on me. Because it is God who remains central in everything. Joseph handled his success by putting the focus entirely back to God. That God is in control. That he has brought blessing in the place of my suffering. 
that he has given me this opportunity, that he has opened these doors. The focus was always on God. I think we see in a remarkable way in the life of Joseph that God was central in both the dark times and the good times. He remained faithful to God in prison when he was falsely accused of what he never did. When the chief cupbearer forgot to mention him to Pharaoh and he was locked away for another two years. He remained faithful to God when he had the position of great influence in the whole of Egypt. No resentment at the past. No pride in the present. But a life in which God was truly central in everything. Success in the life of Joseph was not really to do with the things he possessed or the position he held, but the values which shaped his life. For Joseph, that was that God is central in everything. In the first sermon that I preached on this Joseph series, I spoke about the fulfillment of dreams, about positively believing in God's purpose for us. Sometimes we have to go through long, hard years along the way. But as the blessings do come, then we need to keep God as much in the center of the blessings as we keep him in the center of the darkness. And so for each of you this morning and for me, whether life at this moment in time feels to you as if it is a place of darkness where everything's closing in, or whether it does feel like a place of blessing where everything is opening out. Whichever it is, we are called to keep God at the center all the time. And let him bring to you a release from those things that might hold you back. And let him bring to you great fulfillment and blessing as you move forward with him.